All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Daily Face-Off Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 2 of the Daily Face-Off Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Brock Segan, with me as always, Dylan D. Berthium. No Michael Beebs Bondi for the first half of the show. He will hmm. be joining us in the second half for breaker, breakouts, sleepers, and busts. But D, how's it going today? Doing well. You know, as good as I could be without, without Beebs here, so... Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to kind of struggle along without him here for a little bit, and we'll uh, we'll be complete in the second half of today's show. Uh, one thing that we had some feedback about um, last year was talking about banger leagues a little bit more. Uh, it's something we haven't really talked about very often because uh, we just don't play in a lot of banger leagues. But now that Yahoo's like default setting is banger leagues, it's kind of something that we are going to try to incorporate. Um, a little bit more on this podcast. In the draft kit, I will have Banger League rankings. I will have standard non-Banger League rankings as well. So uh, it's definitely something we want to talk about a little bit more. And I, I, I meant to talk about it on the Centers episode, which I forgot. So we were not off to a great start in terms of talking about Banger Leagues. But uh, I just want to mention a few names each week and each position 
uh, of players that just get a huge bump in the rankings when you're talking about um, standard leagues versus banger leagues. And uh, for the centers, we'll, we'll start there, just kind of pick up where we left off last episode. Uh, Vincent Trocek, who is actually my breakout candidate for uh, this season, receives a large bump when you talk about banger leagues. Uh, Braden Shen as well. Braden Shen, uh, pretty banged up last year. Also had the highest on-ice shooting percentage in the entire NHL. Probably headed for some regression. Also, like more like their third-line center now. Sometimes he plays on the wing, though. Now that Ryan O'Reilly and now the breakout of Robert Thomas happened. Um, but Braden Shen is a little bit more valuable in, in banger leagues. Yeah, I still think he's worth rostering in standard leagues too because he does carry left wing eligibility in Yahoo. Uh, not sure about ESPN, have to double check it. But So yeah, certainly anywhere that he carries wing eligibility, I think he'll certainly be worth having because he is a guy that, while yes, it's you know not the most sustainable way to perform, we've seen him do it over... Uh, seasons or you know other long stretches of, of, of time before where he's consistently performing and converting both personally and at an on ice you know shooting percentage rate above what he should be so he's someone that I'm fine taking a gamble with late on the draft because one he can give you a little bit depth on the wing mm-hmm. uh, and two like you still know worst case you're most likely going to get that 30 30 out of him right we're just I, I agree that he's probably not going to be the point per game player he was last year yeah like I was actually like taken aback a little bit when I saw his numbers from last year because like they were Staggeringly good, and yeah. he really he missed like, some time, but he was still... he, he didn't get like any yeah. talk. He missed twenty games. He had fifty eight points in sixty two games. I mean, he was crazy. He did shoot twenty one point six percent, and on ice shooting percentage, like I mentioned, highest in the league at sixteen percent. Just outrageous. So there is obvious regression coming, but even if there's a little bit, it shouldn't be terrible. But uh, yeah, deep in deep in drafts, he's fine there. So, he, but also banger leagues, big bump for him there as well. A couple other names to throw at you. Sam Bennett, it's going to be really interesting to see how he performs this year without Jonathan Huberdeau. Again, we've kind of mentioned with Barkov, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole lineup shakes out. But then also, um, you know, Bennett in banger leagues, always a little bit of extra value. And then JT Miller, um, I, I have a, some rankings coming out for the start of the season. And it's kind of just a, like an like an overall like NHL overall in terms of like your fantasy value and when you include hits leagues like there is almost nobody more valuable at the forward position than JT Miller because he just does it all like he can put up a hundred points and like be a top 15 20 hitter in the league so in terms of like overall value um in category coverage in a banger league there's really nobody better than JT Miller but that's going to do it for Center Talk. Let's move on to the left wings. Today's show, left wing preview. We will talk about the uh, a couple guys that get huge uh, added value in banger leagues on the left wing later in the show. But we will start like we always do with our consensus top 10. Uh, so in the first half of the show, me and Dylan will go over our consensus top 10. And then in the second half, we will have sleepers, breakouts, busts, and rookies, and as well, New banger league category. So uh, at the very top, nobody should be surprised, but it is Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers. I have him at one. Biebs has him at one. Dylan has him at one. Uh, we talked about him a little bit on the centers episode because like, he could be just as well classified as the number two overall center, but left wing eligibility is huge, and he is most likely going to be the second player, if not the first player, off of almost every single draft board this summer. Maybe not uh, a league filled with Maple Leafs fans, but... Um, you were the one that said that you would strongly consider taking uh, Leon over McDavid because of that left-wing eligibility. So why don't you start here? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely something worth considering. And uh, when you look at his goal-scoring record, he's consistently outscored McDavid by about you know 10 to 15 goals every season, uh, whereas points, he's at times 
passed and exceeded McDavid's point totals and at worst uh, finished within 10 points of him. So uh, I think, you know, the risk alone just in terms of um, not not the risk, but there's certainly a possibility of them both playing 82 games and Leon finishing with a higher point total. And obviously you would certainly assume in any given season that he's going to score more goals than McDavid. So that right there alone is enough for me to consider it. Um, and then obviously, yeah, he carries the left wing eligibility. So in any leagues where, you know, you do have to fill out a full lineup in terms of needing, you know, a couple centers, left wingers and right wingers, then yeah, I would definitely lean that way. Take Leon at the one, one um, just cause like we talked about, it's so much easier to find centers uh, or players with center eligibility later in the draft than it is to find the specific wing position. So leagues that just use straight forwards or skater positions or even, uh, winger and not left wing, right wing, then maybe I, I, I probably wouldn't be so bold as to take Leon at one. But yeah, the center, center, left, left, right, right setup, uh, I, I think I would take Leon at first overall. It's kind of comparable for those that play fantasy football to like a running back and wide receiver, right? There's so many more wide receivers and the strict centers tend to fall down the draft board a little bit. But then, um, you know, that one really good or two really good wide receivers in fantasy football will still go in the top four like yeah. this year. Like Connor McDavid is kind of like Justin Jefferson in a way, but sure. there's just that many more good centers in the league. So uh, Leon's like your your uh, your fantasy football running back that you just want to make sure you get a running back early because there's not that many good ones. So left wing certainly important and, and a lot more shallow as we will certainly find out on today's show. Your top, our top 10 left winger certainly doesn't look as strong as our top 10 centers did. That is for sure. But uh, I will say one thing that left wing seems to be significantly stronger than right wing. Right wing is like a black hole this year. So, um, but yeah, Leon, like there, he led the postseason in points with or in, with assists, uh, 25 assists. He topped 50 goals for the second time in his career. He just seems to just do it all. Uh, in the last four seasons, he's averaged 51 goals, 65 assists. That's 116 points, as well as 41 power play points and 254 shots per 82 games. That is ridiculous production, and it's, like you said, not far off from Connor. Um, and you actually have 50 goal upside here, which we have not seen that from Connor. So, uh, yeah, I, I I like the argument. I don't know if I have the the stones, but he's like the one guy who can who can really challenge McDavid for that number one spot. So I I, I certainly would not um, scoff at anybody who decided to go that route on draft day. Number two consensus number two for us, and we all have him ranked at number two is Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, Kaprizov, obviously, there was a little bit of time there in the middle of the summer where it looked like he might be stuck in Russia. Um, I think it was due to a, um, what is it, a fake military ID, something along those lines, and they were like, he might get stuck there, but he's back in Minnesota, I believe it was not that long ago he was spotted at a Twins game, so he is there, and he's ready for training camp. Uh, Last year, he was fifth in the NHL in points with 105, Uh, he was also fifth in the NHL with 47 goals, it just really solidified him as that first round talent, which... Uh, heading into last year, we weren't all like 100% sold on that being the case. He went a little bit later, and he was a total steal in drafts. Um, elite shot volume. Um, he, he should still reach 40 goals. I would be surprised if his uh, shooting percentage stays where it's at. Um, but I, nonetheless, he should be a guy that has no issues scoring 40 goals this season again. And uh, he he's like, I don't know, how many, how many players would you say have a legitimate shot at 100 points this year? Like maybe a dozen? Like he's one of a dozen, maybe 10, yeah. that have a legit shot at getting 100 points. Um, and then, yeah, like 
he still seems to be falling a little bit even um, in terms of like ADP. He is at seven. So you you get him in like the back half of the first round. Um, and again, it's just uh, an uber valuable spot at left wing as opposed to center. And um, a lot of those centers we talked about last week are, are really good. Um, but not a lot of them have that 100-point upside that Kaprizov has. Yeah, or the 50-goal upside, mm-hmm. right? Like the, And yeah, he's converted at what you would say is above-average league, right? But I, I think when you look at other players of his caliber, which is among the very best players in his league, like it's it's not outrageous for them to be able to uh, you know, sustain a 16% yeah, like Le- shooting percentage. Leon shoots like 19%. Yeah, and it's really <laughs> obviously encouraging that he shot 17% the year before, right? It's mm-hmm. not like this is kind of out of nowhere. And that was kind of our concern was can he you know, replicate that 70%, probably not. Well, he got pretty close, right? And obviously with everything else and um, that comes with his game, it's it's kind of easy to give him that little bit of extra credit and say, you know, he probably could. I think his ice time could go up another minute or two. He was just at 19 minutes flat last year. Um, but yeah, like the fact that he shoots as much as he does and you, you know, <laughs> creates as many opportunities for his teammates and can be such a reliable assist producer at the same time, it's... Yeah, I, I think he's going a little too low, to be honest. I think seven is, is pretty low. Um, and, you know, aside from Matthews and McDavid, I, I think I take him over the rest of the centers. I think I take him before McKinnon. Um, and I, I probably take him over... I mean, we haven't looked at the right wingers in detail yet, but I think all Kucherov of is the only one yeah. I have ranked above him. Yeah, and even then, I could I wouldn't blame you for taking no. Kirill over Kuch. So seven seems a bit high for me. I, I you know, if you, I, I think he probably belongs in that top five. And yeah, like it, it's also a kid that's only played two years in the NHL. He's going to be twenty five years old now. He's gotten substantially better each of his first two seasons. So who knows exactly what uh, his ceiling is. And you can't really say that for anyone else in the, in the first round. Yeah. I have him ranked right at seven overall uh, behind McKinnon, Kucherov and McCarr. Those are the couple that are ahead of him, but Kucherov, McCarr and Kaprizov, they are like neck and neck. Like there's, they're interchangeable really at five, six and seven. And you could go any, you know, it's kind of just personal preference. I'm sure there's a lot as good as McCarr is. I'm sure there's a lot of fantasy owners out there that'll be very hesitant to take a defenseman, you know, fifth or sixth overall, regardless of how good he is. It's just not something that you see very often. And Kaprizov at left wing, um, certainly in our eyes is the second best left wing. Um, and yeah, I think there is obviously some room for this time on ice to grow. Uh, you know, with Kevin Fiala, not in town anymore, they do look like they're lacking a little bit on the wing obviously Matt Boldy's very very good but outside of that it's like Matt Boldy Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello is like they're really good wingers and like they have their checking line obviously with Greenway and Felino, but there's not really like those legitimate scoring threats on the wing um, in Minnesota without Fiala so it's going to be interesting to kind of see how it all shakes out and I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a little bit uh, more this season and the one thing that was really really impressive for him last year is he just seemed to have found a home on a line with Ryan Hartman and Matt Zuccarello that trio was outstanding uh, all season long and I would imagine that they will come into this season playing together again and if they can kind of pick up you know right where they left off last year I mean they were one of the best lines in the entire NHL so there's a lot of reason to like Matt Zuccarello well, Matt Zuccarello too, but Kirill Kaprizov this season. Uh, consensus, number three left wing again. Very, We're in lockstep here again. All three of us have him at number three, which I was a little bit surprised because when I did my rankings for the first time, I was a little bit surprised at how high I had this guy ranked, but he's deserved it over the years. And that's Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets. We all have him at number three. Kyle Connor really has just been a, a fantasy favorite of mine for a few years uh, because you could get him significantly later than you probably should have for like 
three consecutive years, he was probably going too low. Uh, he's coming off of a ridiculous 47 goal, 46 assist, 93 point season in 79 games. Had 317 shots. That's the best part about it all. He only shot 14.8%, which is actually below his career mark. So the fact that he scored 47 goals, by far his career best, at a below uh, career average rate of 14.8 is Incredible on a shooting percentage was very, very sustainable as well. Right around his career rate of 11.3, he went with 11.1 last year. There's no red flags. This the screams sustainability here. Uh, really good chemistry with with uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Obviously, he's played with Mark Scheifele in the past too. So it really doesn't matter where he lands in the lineup either. Like there's just no red flags. There's I have no hesitation drafting Kyle Connor uh, early this season, and his ADP at the moment is 28.7. So that's pretty incredible for a guy that we have ranked third overall uh, at the position. In terms of my rankings overall, I have him at 10 overall. So you're getting him 18 spots later than I think he probably should go. 10 without the goalies, 10 amongst skaters. So, right. You know, maybe one goalie goes in the first round, so maybe 11. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, it's, it's really encouraging, right? Like the, everything you said, the shot volume just took a major step forward last year. Shooting percentage right in line with his career mark. Same with the on ice. The big part of it was the extra minutes he got. He played 21 minutes and 47 seconds a night. So I, I would imagine that continues after the amazing year he had last year, you know, Certainly not a given that anyone plays 22 minutes a night up front. So that could fall back a little bit, but it, it's not the first time we've seen him up that high. A couple of years ago, he was above 21 minutes as well. So it was a big jump from the year prior, you know, over three whole minutes. And I think, again, that, that led to, that was probably as much as anything what allowed him to kind of take that next step in terms of his point production. But yeah, I think there's a good chance it, it continues. I think either way, he's a lock for a 40-40 season. And I think, as long as he gets that extra ice time, that he'll be able to um, score as many goals as Alex Ovechkin and, you know, have a, a 20 to 25 more assists than him. So that's why I had Connor above Ovi, uh, as we all did. But yeah, again, I was surprised too because I, I thought there at least one or two of you guys would have Ovi in the top three. Yeah, I've got uh, Connor projected for 45.8 goals, 44.5 assists for 90.3 points. Um, Coincidentally enough, Ovechkin is ranked right behind him, 47 goals. So maybe a couple more goals, but yes, 11 fewer assists for Ovechkin. So he's basically Ovechkin now. Yeah, and we should point out, like, Ovi was the better player last year. He had 50 50 goals and 40 assists, which is a huge assist total for him. It's the first time he had over 40 assists since the 2010-11 season. Uh, And that's kind of where I'm coming from with this, is that I don't think, from what we've seen, that you can rely on Ovi to be that guy that'll get you an assist every other game, which is fine. That's not what you draft him for, but... Yeah, when there's a guy behind him that you can, you know, more realistically rely on giving you both, uh, you know, I guess premier goal and assist production, uh, then you would take that because Ovi is phenomenal. He's one of the most reliable goal scorers in the league. Um, and I would still, you know, put a, or think he's as likely as anyone to top 50 goals this yeah. season. And I, I do think he finishes with more goals than Connor, but I think the assists is, totals will be drastic enough where it makes more sense to, to take Connor. Yeah, funnily enough, it seems like there might even be room for uh, Kyle 
Kyle Connor's shot volume to even increase a little bit more, potentially. I mean, this year he was 21st in the NHL in all situations shot per 60, you know, trailing a guy like uh, Kirill Kaprizov, obviously trailing a guy uh, like Alex Ovechkin. But 21st, obviously it's elite shot production. The volume is, is tremendous, but it seems like, you know, there could be a couple extra shots in there per game. You never know. But nonetheless, he is certainly a guy that, that seems like based on the numbers, seems like can certainly get back to 45 goals, 45 assists this season. So um, I don't think it's much surprise after what we just said that Alex Ovechkin is our number four consensus left winger. Um, not really a whole lot to add. Uh, basically, you broke it down perfectly there. He is probably outside of Leon and, and Austin at this point, um, the most likely guy to score 50 goals in a season. But yeah, uh, 40 assists. I mean, he literally had not done topped 40 assists since 2011 right? yeah like that's that's wild how long it's been um it, it's interesting to like the capitals are just such a weird team at this stage right like they they still seem to be very competitive but they don't they seem to be lacking kind of a lot of that elite talent that they they used to have obviously nicholas baxter missing the extended period of time it'll be fun to see how dylan Strom fits into that that team connor brown coming over like it's going to be interesting to see how it all gels together and who knows you know maybe uh connor brown rediscovers his game and um after getting out of ottawa and is a real offensive force like he was way back in the day <laughs> i don't know about that i think he can replace tom wilson's production though yes or replicate it but yeah i mean he scored 20 goals as a rookie playing with matthews in toronto so yeah i think he's capable of that just say it, like, Kuznetsov had a really good year last year, so maybe yeah. Alex Ovechkin's uh, assist totals are a little bit more sustainable, but I certainly, it's just I hard, cer- I certainly like, wouldn't head into the season expecting him to reach 40. Like, it's just, yeah. where, where Connor, like, I think it's just, well, I, I hate to say, like, you could just pencil him in for 45, yeah, but it, well, it does the, seem that well, if those way. are his line mates, even if it's not Brown, let's say it's Wilson, like, that's probably, what, 40 goals, 45 goals combined from his two line mates, and... How many other people are scoring on the power play in Washington, right? It's just tough for him to get those numbers um, without the team is set up. It's set up for him to score goals, to get him in shooting positions. So, yeah, it's not built around him um, creating plays for other people. So I I just would not rely on that happening again. He had 13 power play assists last year, which uh, he's only gone double digits three times since 2015. Uh, So it's pretty, pretty rare. Uh, for him to to really produce a many power play assists because yeah he just gets up there I, I'm sure most of his power play assists are just like rebounds like yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh tap in after he just rips one from the point but yeah not really a whole lot to add everybody knows Alex Ovechkin knows what you're getting with him uh, Jonathan Huberdeau is our consensus number five again no debate among our top five which is a little surprise like not even a little bit of shuffling but uh, Huberdeau going to the Flames likely going to be playing with Elias Lindholm. Uh, I love Elias Lindholm this season because obviously what we talked about last week, last episode, getting uh, Huberdeau to replace Gaudreau should help him sustain that uh, goal production he had last year. And Huberdeau was just an absolute freak last year. I mean, led the NHL in assists with 85. He had only 30 goals, 115 points. He is basically the complete opposite of uh, Chris Kreider. Sure. I thought you were going to say Ovechkin, which would also work. But. Yes, that 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 is pretty true as well. But yeah, yeah. He, the shot production was pretty good last year. Two hundred or twenty-two shots was actually the most, our second most of his entire career. Uh, did reach thirty goals for the second time. He's never actually had like thirty-one or thirty-two. Just thirty. It's basically yeah. seems to be where he caps out at. But um, yeah, I, like getting a linemate like Elias Lindholm is certainly going to help. Um, I feel much better about his chances. Um, putting up 100 points playing with Elias Lindholm than playing with Sam Bennett. Right. And he did it with Sam Bennett last year. So, yeah, like, I, the Flames' power play is, is is 
solid as well. Like I'm not, I'm not worried about any drop off really here. I, I, I think like obviously, I'm worried about a little bit of a drop off there just because they were so good. Um, and his he 14.7 had, on ice shoot percentage is probably not going to be yeah, maintained, but but he had 38 power play points last year too. Like that's 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 good enough to be among the very top in the league on any given season, right? And it's it was a career high for him. So I don't, I'm not crazy um, about his ability to kind of repeat that because he'd only ever top 30 one other time in his career playing with all those weapons in Florida. And yeah, I think it's going to be a good power play in Calgary. But Last year, the Panthers were 24.4% on the power play, fifth in the league. The Flames were 229 uh, 10th in the league. And yeah. I'd be, I would be surprised if it's fairly similar this year. I, w- I would imagine that Florida will probably take a dip without Huberto, but um, the Flames will probably not get much better losing Goudreau. And, and Kachuk. Uh, and Kachuk. Yeah, but, so that's the question mark, right? Is But you and, need him to and get even to if 115. Click, like, right. if, you, if he gets 28 power play points, yeah. and he gets 105 points. Even that, that concentration of that power play point production doesn't quite line up with how good that power play was either, right? Yeah. So I think there was a lot, a, some amount of good fortune, which obviously when you have 115 points and 85 assists, there's going to be a fair amount of random uh, secondary apples in there, right? That, like I said, we're probably... Um, the result of some good fortune, but also the result of him touching the puck on, on every single play. And that's not the thing that's not going to change. And yeah, it, it, he's a tough one to predict because obviously he's in a nice situation still. Uh, we think he's going to do well. He's got some nice pieces around him, but I don't think it's as good of a situation as it was last year, even with him being resigned to second line minutes a lot at 5v5. Yeah. I still feel better about where he was at last year from an overall perspective. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit why I'm not as high as him and, as maybe we should be. But again, we're looking at this from this perspective of pretty much all formats favor goals over assists in some way or another, whether, whether it be just point leagues that assign more value to it. Uh, category leagues, again, goals tend to lend itself to way more categories than assists do or points in general. But if you're in a league where all things are considered equal, goals and assists are just you know their own category or maybe... That's all you have is your categories, or they're each worth whatever it may be. Yeah. Then obviously Huberto should fly up your draft board because you're talking about guys that are in a good spot to break 100 points. One of the most likely guys in the NHL to do it right here. Yeah. If you're in like one of those leagues where it's just goals and assists or whatever, right? Like a little roto league, then yeah, he's an absolute stud. Um, I think there's obviously some room. Um, I mean, obviously he played 1925 last year, but I think there's room for for a little bit more uh, time on ice this season too. Like Elias Lindholm plays 20 minutes a night. Obviously, a lot of that is yeah. in an offensive posture. Like you didn't see, you didn't see Goudreau also playing 20 minutes, but I think they might need Huberto a little bit more this year than they needed Goudreau and and, and, and Kachuk last year. But the thing that's uh, that's really good, interesting for me is just like he had. 23 more points than he had at any point in his career. It's like this this is going to be, you know, even if he drops a little bit, we're not that concerned. Like he can he can have 15 less points than he had last year, 15 less assists and still hit 100 points. So yeah. I'm not too concerned. I'm pretty comfortable like you said. The goals uh the goals is the, the only issue there. I have him ranked as a 13th number all, uh, overall skater, 29 goals, 68 assists for 97.6 points. So um still going to be an outstanding season. I if he doesn't get back to 100, I think we'll be all right. Right. Number six overall is where we finally get a little different. Uh, I have Artemi Panarin at six. Biebs has Artemi Panarin at six. Dylan has Artemi Panarin at seven. So not too different, but Artemi Panarin comes in as our number six overall left winger. And yeah, Panarin, I mean, we talked very highly, or I, I me specifically talked very highly about him on last week's show. I really think that he's going to do a lot for... Um, Vincent Trocek coming over, and 
I just love Panarin. I, I've owned him quite a bit. Uh, he's played 94% of his games since coming into the NHL. He's averaged 92 points, 30 goals, 62 assists per 82 games over that span. He had career-best 74 assists and 96 points last year. Similar to Jonathan Huberto, is fueled mostly by 37 points on the power play, which was tied for sixth best in the league. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out without uh, Ryan Strom. Obviously, that's been a duo that's been together almost exclusively for for two or three seasons now. So we'll see how it all kind of works once you know Trocheck is inserted in this lineup. But I think that it, it could be a pretty seamless fit. Trocheck's a pretty talented offensive player. So uh, and it seems like I mentioned last last episode like. He brought Artemi Panner, or uh, sorry, Artem Anisimov into like fantasy relevance. <laughs> so if he can do that, he can do just about anything. Yeah, I wouldn't be, like. I don't think Strom was the driving force behind um, that line combination and all the success that they've had in. You don't think so? Years. No, I don't. Huh. But yeah, I mean, to me, he's a little like Huberto Light. You know, like I, I think he's kind of of the same molds. He's, uh, you know, always kind of tops out in the low thirties in, in terms of goal production. Uh, so you know. You just have to be aware that he is an incredible player and, you know, um, wouldn't be a shock if he's in the contention for the Art Ross by the end of the season. But another one of those guys who the goal production itself isn't going to be on that elite, elite level. Um, it's He's going to rely on the assist totals to get it done. So you just got to consider that, um, figure out what, what works best for you and, and your league. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I had him just a little bit lower because I don't think he has quite the upside um, as Huberto. And um, there's a couple of uh, other guys that I would at least consider, or one other guy in particular that I think has a little bit more goal scoring upside. Panarin is like the only difference between him and Huberto for me is just the shot volume. Huberto might shoot a little bit more. Panarin probably won't get to 200. Other than that, I think that his power play production might be actually even more sustainable yeah. uh, than Huberto. I mean, that power play in New York last year was fourth best in the league, 25.2%. They didn't lose any pieces outside of Ryan Strome, but I again, I don't think he was a super integral part of that power play, right? It focuses on Panner, it focuses on Fox, it focuses on Zabanajad getting that shot off, and then Chris Kreider cleaning up the dirt in front of the net. Um, so, you know, four out of five pieces are still there, and there's a lot of possibility for Panarin to be up there near the league leaders in power play points again this season, making, I think, his production a little bit more sustainable than Huberto's, but granted, he didn't have nearly uh, as many points as Huberto did a season ago, so even if Huberto comes back to earth a little bit, they'll probably find themselves around the exact same spot. I actually have Panarin projected for uh, 100 points this year, 27 goals, 72 assists, 100 points, uh, so a little, bit, points. a little bit more than uh, Huberto, but... That's 99 points. Well, sorry, 27.4 and 72.9 <laughs> is just, you know, it all works out to about sure, 100. Sure. So call it 99, call it 100. It is what it is. But, uh, you know, overall, Huberto is still ranked higher because of, you know, other categories are important as well. Right. So, sure. um, but they're neck and neck. And, you know, if they could be six point, uh, 5.5 and 5.5, I would probably rank them just about the exact same spot. Yeah. Um, number seven for us, Jake Gensel. Um, I have him at seven. Biebs also has him at seven. Dylan has him at eight. Uh, but Jake Gensel, so actually our, our, our uh, seven and eight are tied. Um, so maybe we'll actually consider Johnny Gaudreau our number seven since he has the highest ranking of any of the two. Oh, there we go. So you bring Johnny Gaudreau up to number seven, uh, Jake Gensel eight. But they're neck and neck for both of us. If we take a look at ADPs, Gaudreau going 20.2 right now, significantly later, 13 picks later, Jake Gensel at 33.3. So uh, because of that, I, I would prefer Jake Gensel. Um, but 
in terms of the actual player, they are very similar as well. Yeah, I think Goudreau just gives you more upside, right? I think Gensel is very reliable, and he's shown himself to be that, and he's a great goal scorer. Um, and he did take a bit of a step forward last year, 84 points in 76 games. It's the first time we saw him top a point per game um, over the course of a full season, so that was really good to see. But yeah, we've been super high on Gensel. I love him. I think he's great. Um, but to me, just doesn't have quite the overall upside as a Johnny Goudreau. We saw it last year when everything goes Goudreau's way and he's playing well. He is capable of scoring 40 goals. Um, and I think I don't, you know, if I had to choose, I would definitely pick Gensel to finish with more goals. I, I think that's certainly more likely. But I'm just saying that there is certainly a possibility of um, Goudreau outscoring him this season. And then, I, I again, I just expect him to drastically outproduce his assist totals. Um I don't think Goudreau gets anywhere close to where he was last year with 115 no. points in 82 games, 40 goals, and 75 assists. But, yeah, like I, again, I, I don't think Gensel has – he definitely has not shown us that kind of upside. Goudreau moving to a, a completely different situation. There's certainly a lot of question marks here. Um, but, yeah, I think in terms of overall upside, Goudreau's higher. Obviously, he's going around higher because of that. Um, and in terms of, yeah, everything, everything being equal, to me, he's the number six because um, – He's the one guy who I think can, is as capable as as we saw last year of pushing 40 goals as he is of, of, of totaling 60 or 70 assists. Whereas I don't think you can say the same for Panarin with his goal scoring, and you certainly can't say the same for Gensel uh, with the assist totals. So for me, that's what gives Goudreau the bump. Certainly some risk there with the change of scenery, though. Yeah, so in my rankings, I have uh, Gensel at 22, Goudreau at 23 overall. Um, so they're, they're, they're side by each there. Uh, for me... I guess my concern is that outside of last year, Gaudreau, I mean, people were really kind of writing him off there for well, a little and it was, a couple of bad seasons. Yeah, but just look, explodes. At, look at the numbers, right? It was. he. Ha- it didn't make any sense, to be honest. He had 112 shots in those 56 games. It was really um, discouraging, to be honest. It looked like the goal scoring had left him completely, 18 goals and 70 the year before. But last year, rebounded out of nowhere, had the most shots on goal he's ever yeah. registered at 262, the most shots per game. So, yeah, obviously I'm betting on some of those trends continuing right. and him continue to buck that couple of poor, that two-year trend he had in between his 115-point year and his 99-point year. Yeah, and that and that's my only concern with him and why I have Gensel a little bit higher is just that you know Jake Gensel is going to be playing with Sidney Crosby and Gaudreau is now leaving what was the best line in hockey a season ago that really fueled the breakout to playing in Columbus where like they have... Boone Jenner and Jack Roslevic, right? Like, he's going to be playing with one of those two, and it's a big downgrade. Linus? Yeah, he could be... Oh, of course, playing with Linus. I'm just talking from a center standpoint. Sure. From a center standpoint, yes. Of course, he could be playing with Linus, and and that could be magical, 100%. Don't get me wrong there. I just... Is is Boone Jenner or or Jack Roslevic good enough to support a 100-point season from Gaudreau? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Sean Monaghan had us all thinking Sean Monaghan was a decent player for a few years, He sure sure did. They took a winger in Lindholm and able to make it work with him down the middle with Gaudreau. So I I think Gaudreau takes a lot of those... A lot of the jobs that the center, you know, normally would. I don't think he's the normal winger. He moves into the center of the ice a whole lot. Um, so, yeah, I hear you. But to me, like, I also, and you would agree, like, Crosby's probably not going to play more than 60 games. So <laughs> is that certainty worth, you know, like, sure, he's going to play with Crosby yeah. probably most of the time. And then it's like he could play with Malkin when Crosby's out, but then Malkin might yeah, also be out right? too. And he'll so, be playing with Jeff Carter. Yeah, and I, I still think Gensel can do all right with the, either of those guys in the yeah. lineup. But obviously his production is going to take a hit. So I think there's risk to either I certainly, I, I get it, but I think like, say if somehow Goudreau 
fell to me at 32, where Gensel's going, I would take Goudreau. For sure. I have Goudreau projected for 33 goals, 54 assists, 87 points. So if he's projected at 87, 80, let's call it 88, he's projected for 87.9. If he's right next to Gensel at 87, what you're saying is is the reason you like him more, right? Because like that's probably where Gensel's going to finish. I have Gensel at 84 with, some, with a little bit more goals. But... Gaudreau just needs 87 to be tied with with Gensel, where he actually has that 100-point ceiling. 115-point ceiling, apparently. apparently. uh, So, yeah, they're they're neck and neck just based on my projections, and that's that's just how I roll with it. But uh, ceiling-wise, certainly... Um, he, there's obviously some risk in that pick though. Like he, if he stayed in Calgary, there'd be risk because obviously, you know, he's not repeating the 15% on ice shooting percentage. And as you pointed out, he had two terrible years, the, the, the two seasons prior, um, and just seemed to flip the switch last year. So yeah, I know, there's some risk cause there's just not that same level of consistency. And I know that this isn't the exercise, but would you rather have Gaudreau at 20 or Gensel at 33 and then just take a gamble on who you might get with the opposite pick. Yeah, obviously it depends who's there, right? It's it's more like, I mean, we'd have to, here like you, let's let's give put, me some ADPs let's, with let's, someone around Goudreau because that's the decision, right? It's it's pretty much if you're gonna wait, uh, say that you're in the middle of the draft, right? So and would you rather would picks. you rather have let's go just center left wing? Would you rather start with, uh, let's call it Stamkos and Gensel, or Goudreau and Aho? Uh, it's so funny. It's a. It's actually. I would take Stamkos over Goudreau. They're both going in that same spot because I think they have similar upside and and Stamkos has for obvious eligibility too. Yeah, and he's much more likely to I think fulfill that upside. So yeah, if Stamkos falls to where his ADP is, which we all agreed was way too low last week, I, I, yeah. I would take him because I do think it's probably a little bit earlier than I'd want to take Goudreau. Just because, like I said, there's some risk there. Like that he yeah. could. He could bust pretty hard. It's interesting because like those are like it's two completely opposite, right? Like you got Stamkos and Gaudreau's upside, and then you've got Aho and, and uh, Gensel's like security, right? And it's you're gonna get kind of one of each basically at that right. point in the draft. So um, yeah, I mean they're 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 neck and neck, and I, I wouldn't uh, I, w- I really wouldn't fault anybody for taking either. And if it came down to it, and Gaudreau and, and Gensel are sitting there side by each on at 33 overall or right. whatever, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up taking Gaudreau as well. They're just that close. Um, number, so that was, uh, six and seven, uh, sorry, seven and eight. Number nine is Alex Debrinkat. So another player in a new city this season. Debrinkat is now with the Ottawa Senators. I have him at 10. Biebs has him at 10. Dylan has him at number nine overall. Debrinkat has just been an absolute freak. Um, obviously a lot to do with playing with Patrick Kane for a long period of time, but, uh, it's interesting when you look at their numbers, Patrick Kane's numbers get significantly worse when Debrinkat's not there, where Debrinkat's numbers don't seem to get that much worse in terms of scoring chances when Kane's not there. So I have less worry about Debrinkat being able to kind of maintain what he's shown us over the years as much as I'm worried about Kane being able to replicate those numbers with the horrendous surrounding cast that he has. Also, it I guess that helps too. Like he's going from Debrinkat to nothing, where Debrinkat's going from Kane to like potentially Tim Stutzel, Claude Giroux, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson. Like he'll be in good hands regardless of which top six line he lands on in Ottawa. But Debrinkat last year, 41 goals, 37 assists, 78 points. It was a career high in points, tied his career high in goals, played all 82 games, had a career high 270 shots. It was 50 shots clear of his previous career high, which 
You'll love to see. He's been up over 20 minutes a night for two straight seasons. Whether or not that continues um, is probably the biggest question mark here, right? I mean, that's a very loaded top six. Their bottom six is fairly solid as well. Is Dabrikic going to continue to play 20 minutes a night? Maybe not, but I don't think he really needs to because he showed he's capable of scoring. Uh, I think he could because I think there's going to be a pretty drastic split in ice time between that top and bottom. There should be. Yeah. You would imagine. But even if he's... Like, we've seen him score 41 goals on 220 shots. So, I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to get to 270. If he gets to 250, he's still capable of scoring 40 goals this season. Yeah. I, just, I mean, that's the key. He's not just capable. He's more than likely going to score 40 yep. goals, right? Like, that's kind of his thing. It's what he comes in and it's what he does. Um and we've seen the assist totals have been a little bit better in recent years too, which is encouraging. Um, that's the biggest roll of the dice here uh, on a given year. If <laughs> It's kind of just been depending on how does on-ice shooting percentage fluctuates. Those assist totals can fluctuate as well. Um, but that's what kind of has me excited is, yeah, I do kind of like the Senators' makeup this season. I think they're going to be a much better team. I think they'll be much better than the, the Blackhawks were last season. Yep. And I think that top six is going to offer him a little bit more sustainability than what he's had in recent years. Because, yeah, once you take him away from Kane, sure, the underlying, the play-driving numbers look good. But, of course, like in terms of just pure production and converting on those scored chances and those high-danger chances... Um, it fell off pretty drastically when he wasn't with Kane. So I think there's just better options up and down the lineup for him here. And I think he's going to get his regardless in terms of his goals. He's going to take his shots and he's going to shoot around 15%. Um, So yeah, I feel really good about his chances of just kind of coming in and repeating what he did last year. Would not really, you know, it's kind of hard because of the ice time, like you said, to imagine him really kind of building on that and taking that next step. Um, which is why I think we have him ranked as low as he is, just because, yeah, it's hard to imagine a, a path to 100 points with him, and he's probably the first one that we're realistically saying that about. Yeah, but, like, I feel very comfortable that he's just going to go out there and he's going to score 40 goals with, you know... Yeah, and there's guys goals. below him that we probably feel better about maybe getting to 100 points, but I, I agree that the goal-scoring security here is what really keeps the brink out here, because the last two seasons in particular... Um, he's just been ridiculous. 73 goals in 134 games. Like, that's just absurd. Yeah, he, he the shot volume alone is just going to keep him there. And, and, you know, we are all very high on Tim Stitzel. Uh, obviously, the Senators are too to sign him to a massive ticket. And, I mean, Claude Giroux is still very, very good and a very, very good playmaker. Like, Claude Giroux can very easily fill that Patrick Kane role and just feed him all day. And, and Dabrinkat could have no trouble. Like, do you think... We will see Debrinket get to fifty. Like it's gonna happen eventually. Yeah, I think it will happen eventually. I think he could have done it um, in 2020-21 when he scored thirty four or thirty two goals in the in the fifty two shortened season. I yep. you know he he was on a decent pace then. Um, so yeah, I certainly think he's capable on pace for fifty point one. Yeah, I think his uh, the shot volume is probably what needs to continue to build. He had two seventy in eighty two games last year, which is nice. It's it's it's. Uh, I guess what you would call elite, but it's not on that top end of what we normally see out of the 50 goal scores, um, unless you're going to shoot something like 22% or whatever Chris Kreider shot. You generally need to top 300 shots to have a realistic chance of scoring 50 goals. To bring at 70th in the NHL in shots per 60. So yeah, and that's been improving year by year. So if that trend continues, it's certainly possible because, yeah, I just think he's a goal scorer, man. Yeah, he's, he is a pure goal scorer. Now, and, and, you know, honestly, he's probably my, like, as much as I, uh, you know, we, we have him at whatever it is here, nine, he's one of my favorites to draft just based on that ADP right now, 40.6. That is juicy. Yeah. 
uh, for me. So I, I love to break out. We talked about it last uh, episode, like where he kind of falls, like right around that same Jack Eichel range. And who would you rather take? And to me, it's 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 the breakout right now for sure. Yeah, Number- still has dual wing in most formats as well, which yes. is amazing. Number ten overall left winger is Jason Robertson. I have him at thirteen. Beebs has him at nine. You have him at ten. I feel horrible having been the lowest on Robertson because like I just love Jason Robertson. Sure, uh, but he is not too far off of where I have uh, Alex to bring at. I've got Robertson projected for 36 goals, 40 assists. So very similar production to what we were expecting out of to bring at. Um, he was just outstanding last year. Again, like we talk about how Goudreau played on one of the best lines in hockey. Well, you know, maybe the second or third best line in hockey was the Dallas Stars top line last year. And Jason Robertson taking that step forward was a real reason for it. Uh, he's coming off a season where he had 41 goals, 38 assists, 79 points, led the NHL in game winning goals, which like obviously is not a predictable, predictable stat or, or something that's going to continue year over year, but certainly helped you in leagues where that is a category. Shot 18.6%, uh, significantly higher than his 13.4% from the year prior, 220 shots and on ice shooting percentage of 13. So, Maybe some red flags here, but when you're a line that produces as many quality chances as they do night in and night out, and they also like just never break them up, they're gonna have outlier nights and outlier games that are gonna balloon those statistics, and and it's gonna lead to to 41 goals and 38 assists. And I think, like I said, I got him for 40 and 35, and I think it's certainly uh, something he can produce again. Yeah. I- the big thing for me that's exciting here and that can maybe help him offset some of that regression coming to the shooting percentage is the fact that um, that line clearly emerged as their best line last season. Um, still only saw around 18 minutes a night. So I think if that trend continues and, you know, Sagan and Ben, probably Sagan in particular, kind of continue to struggle relatively to where we saw them within the last few years and, you know, Sagan's not able to unfortunately get anywhere back to where he was before his injury, then I think that's just going to continue and they're going to lean on that line even more. Having said that, my biggest red flag with Robertson and probably the only reason that I don't have him above is one of the driving forces on that line last season is like, what, 40 years old now? <laughs> 38? 38. So just keeps getting I think it done, a, though. I think, a, I think a big part of that success last year, though, was Pavelski being one of the best playmakers in the league. And I, that's a big if for me, but of course, like, you know, Hints and Pavelski, two guys that should theoretically still be getting a little bit better each year. If they can take that step forward again, might offset. Um, if we see any sort of dip in production or ability from the 38 year old Pavelski, as much as I feel a little sacrilege saying that because I love the man. Um, it is a, a realistic concern though. I think that we have to at least mention, but yeah, he certainly seems to be a guy. I mean, he's not seems to be a guy. He has defied the aging curve to this point. So I'm fine betting on it another season. I'm fine taking Robertson in the top 10, um, for all the reasons you mentioned, but yeah, he's got to build on that shot volume. A couple extra minutes a night would do that for him. So if that happens, I think he's a, a slam dunk to get back to where he was a year ago. Yeah. And the, um, playing time thing is going to be key, right? And we maybe saw that starting in the postseason last year. Obviously, in the playoffs, you're going to lean on your big big dogs a little bit heavier. Maybe they won't. It won't translate to the regular season. But played 19 minutes and seven seconds in the postseason versus 18 minutes and seven seconds yeah. in the regular season. So the extra minute a night could prove pivotal in, in him taking a, a bigger step this season. So we'll see if that all kind of ends up being the same next year. But there's certainly reason for that line to be playing 19 minutes as opposed to 18. Uh, yeah. Like And, and the, together at, at, on the power play as well, power play was very, very good. 
uh, a season ago as well. So uh, I just want to find where were they in the power play? 11th overall, right behind the Calgary Flames at 22.4%. So uh, that is our top 10. I will just mention briefly our uh, top 15, just go about through the names here. Vander Kane was number 11. I have Kane at 9. Uh, Biebs has him at 12. Dylan has him at 12. Gabe Landeskog is 11. Uh, ele- sorry, Gabe Landeskog is 12. I have him at 11. Biebs has him at 11. Dylan has him at 15. Philip Forsberg and my boy at 13. I have him at 12. D has him at 13. Biebs has him at 14. Andre Svechnikov comes in at 14. D has him at 11. I have him at 14. Biebs has him at 15. And Brady Kachuk comes in at 15th overall. Beam's the highest on him at 13. D at 14. Myself at 15. So that's going to do it for the first half of the left wing preview. When we return from the break, Beebs will join us. We will have breakouts. We will have sleepers. We will have busts. We'll talk about a couple of rookies at the position and also a number of players that just take a big jump in Banger League. So enjoy the Blue Stones for the next 60 seconds. We'll see you guys back here shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, to season eight, episode two of the Daily Faceoff Fantasy Podcast. Nice. Uh, we're going to get right into it here. It was getting a little lonely in the first half of the show, so we brought Beebs in here to spice things up a bit. I was actually here the whole time. I was just listening. Um, I just wanted to see how the fellas do without me. Um, Everyone here knows you could not possibly go that long without saying so something. True. So <laughs> at least like one giggle or two. <laughs> you did, or you didn't even throw it over to him yet. He already started talking. Yeah, hell yeah. No, I just the, the mic how, craves me. Boys. How's it going, Beebs? Beebs finished up his golf league tonight, yep. and he shot an eighteen. I heard. Yeah, Hole one on every 18 hole? 18 through 18, yeah. It was... Nice. Uh, Beebs and, and Kim Jong-un, the only two I only use my putter, it. too, so it's just stingers the whole time. <laughs> but uh, no, I did a nice foursome today, so I didn't really have to try. I could just let the big dog eat consistently. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we're uh, we're happy to have you here. Yeah. Good we got back. through the top 10. Uh, we'll cap it off for you real quick, Beebs. Dreisaitl, Kaprizov, Connor Ovechkin, Huberto Panarin, Gensel, Goudreau, Debrinkat and Jason Robertson. Technically, it was Goudreau Gensel, but right. Well, I guess we fought. They tied. They tied. Sorry. Yeah, they tied. Yeah. Um, Nice. Good top ten. Probably the best one I've heard all day, boys. Yeah. So we're gonna swing right over into the sleeper bus breakout. We'll keep it with that same compliment sandwich structure that worked so well on the centers episode of the podcast. So Beebs, we'll let you get right into it. I'm sure you're just itching to talk some fantasy hockey. So why don't you tell us who your sleeper is at the left wing position this year? I've actually been practicing this all day on the golf course, so people just. Just hate me now. But um, here we are. Uh, my sleeper today, he left my Colorado Avalanche, so this one hurts to talk about. But Andre Burakovsky out in Seattle now, for those of you who may have forgot. 
Uh, Burakovsky had a career year last year, scoring 22 goals, 39 assists for 61 points. Um, one glaring thing there with that great production, only 149 shots for the Russian winger. Um, coming into a huge season with Seattle as their top left winger, as well as likely on the top power play, just signed mm-hmm. a five-year, $27.5 million contract. You don't give those contracts to people you don't expect to Where put did up, they get that money? That's right. Seattle, where'd you find it? Oh, selling all that crack and booze. Um, that's definitely where they got it. That, that's, that's it. But at 27 years old, he's kind of crack for cracking. He's I been think. buried. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that's it. He's been buried behind, you know, some talent in Colorado, Decent some talent team. in Washington. And now he's finally getting that chance just to break out. And, um, this guy's going currently at 158 in leagues. And for those of you who are uh, counting at home, that's basically undrafted in most leagues. Someone who's going to play top power play top unit. Who's put up t- over 20 goals and nearly 40 assists while playing second line minutes. I love what's coming out there. There's also a very interesting player in Maddie Berniers who is playing for Seattle. Um, you don't like to connect players, but if those two can get hot, there could be something magical there. But at the same time, obviously it can hurt you. But this is my sleeper. Um, I just think, you know, he's going to pass that 150 shot mark for the first time in his career. And with that is going to come a little bit of fantasy. Maybe not stardom, but absolutely fantasy relevance. And uh, if you can get this guy at 158, you can find a point in the year where you might be trading him for someone in the top 100 maybe. And if you can get that value, that's worth it all day. So give me some Andre Burakovsky. I want to just watch this dude go nuts in his first year in Seattle. And, uh, you know, he is a phenomenal goal scorer. Just what I got to yeah, see. Yeah, it's playoffs. just the only concern is, is, is going to be if he can get that shot volume yeah. up. But uh, playing with Berniers will help. Um, and it, it's not just Burakovsky or Berniers or any of these guys. They're just n- not a single Seattle Kraken player is getting any respect no. in fantasy right now. It's a classic um, case I mean, of like someone has to score too. So. Yeah, and like no, they didn't score at all last year. But I mean, even if he doesn't land with Berniers, we saw Yanni Gord come out to a yeah. blistering start last year. Uh, Jared McCann was like that guy last year that a lot of people expected to break out because it was like he's finally going to get those minutes. And the same thing's happening with Burakovsky now. So it's like, really, why can't... Just a fatter contract. Yeah, yeah. Like, why? Wait, like wasn't just picked yeah. up in an expansion draft, right? He's just like... Also, Oliver Bjorkstrand is yeah. now there. Um, this is a huge pickup. This is a 30-30 guy getting input into a lineup. And it's someone that no one really realized kind of moved around. If you're putting him up there with Burakovsky, who knows if this is going to happen. We'll have to see once camp gets going. But there's a high chance. Burakovsky, Bjorkstrand... Berniers, that could be a line that realistically is like a top 25 NHL line put together. There's just a lot of talent there. Yeah, you got two play, guys who have put play up together. 60 points. It's, uh, you know, it, it, and two guys who have put up 60 points in limited minutes. Um, you know, I I'm like, glad you I talked like about them because I went to my uh, went to our Seattle Kraken team preview with all the mini bios and I wanted to see what I had projected for Andre Burakovsky and realized I just had him listed as Andre Burakovsky. Hmm. Uh, so. Yeah. New player in the NHL this year. Keep an eye out for so Andre Burakovsky. Yeah. Uh, but no, Burakovsky, yeah. I, I can get behind it. And he's going much, much too late. You said 158. I've got him projected for... My computer works. Uh, I got him around 138 winger. Um, 25 goals, 38 assists, 64 points. Leading the Kraken in points. So... Definitely somebody that you can plug into the bottom of your roster. And that's like yeah. that's just based off like what he's done recently. Yeah, like, it's a worthwhile where, risk. Who knows where he can yeah. go with the big minutes? It's one I would definitely look to add towards the bottom yeah. of the draft, yeah. and then just look at what the ice time looks like this for the like, first couple of weeks. Because yeah. with McCann last year, like he did obviously perform relatively well, but he mm-hmm. also, I mean, his ice time only went up to 16 minutes a night, right? So, um, and that's because I mean, there's a lot of players of I guess of similar skill in in Seattle. I wouldn't say they're obviously not the best team, but there's a lot of probably 
second line caliber players yes. there. That, that's kind of how it works when you have an yeah. expansion class. So there was more more minutes that needed to be doled out than I think we probably anticipated last year. So that's what I want to see, right? If Burakovsky is given that 18, 19 minutes, he's super yeah. interesting because we've never seen him do that. He put up 61 points last year, playing 16 minutes a night, which At is really hard to like, do. Who are you going to get? Yeah. yeah. So if, so, if he for gets... the highest AAV on the team yeah, as well. Exactly. So if he gets another three Love minutes, that. like he could just... Yeah, he could break out in a major way. Could easily help him get above two shots a game. Um, so yeah, I'm all for it. I, I think it's it's a great flyer, especially at the price. Like I said, you can just throw him on your roster at the bottom of the draft. And if it's two weeks, you know, a week into the season, and he's still playing 15, 16 minutes a night, then you cut him because yeah, exactly. obviously, smell, yeah. yeah, those 16 minutes aren't going to be worth what they were in Colorado. I'm glad you brought him up as well because it gives me a chance to remind myself that he's not Russian because I always assume he's Russian. Who's your sleeper? Uh, my sleeper is, of course, Michael Bunting. Of course. Got to talk about it. I didn't think he'd be a sleeper coming into the year, but the ADP... When you told me that your sleeper was going to be a Michael from the Maple Leafs, I started getting real nasty flashbacks <laughs> from season one. But ADP 151. <laughs> Again, someone you can take at the very end of your draft. Um, and absolutely no risk here, which is why we love it. Because, I mean, at the very least, there's no reason why Bunting can't repeat what he did last year. Uh... 63 points in 79 games. I usually advise against drafting or investing in uh, draft capital into players whose fantasy value is tied so directly to their line mates. We've talked about that before. It can just flip in an instant. But the great thing about bunting is with that ADP, you're not investing really any draft capital at all. Uh, But hockey is a very fluid sport. Obviously, coaches switch up lines all the time. They're always trying new combos. I mean, every period, let alone every game. But there are a few line combinations that you can rely on with more certainty. And certainly, you know, Toronto's top line is one of those. Um, Once Keith put Marner and Matthews and Bunting together last winter, he never looked back. Every indication in the offseason is we're going to see more of the same to start the year. Uh, Bunting played 77% of his uh, 1,095 five minutes last year with Austin Matthews. Regardless of individual talent, that's a roadmap to fantasy relevance. And as far as his underlying numbers are concerned, when you consider his line mates are Marner and Matthews, there's no major red flags that would suggest he's unlikely the, to repeat, like I said, that 63 points that he put up last year, should he be afforded similar opportunity, which again, seems like he's going to be. And if anything, production could definitely see a boost if he sees any increase to the 15 and a half minutes he played last year, especially if it comes on the power play. He had just five power play points last season, 57 even strength and shorthanded points, which is just absurd. Um, and yeah, he looks to be next in line for power play time. And certainly, you know, if any of those top four forwards on the Leafs miss time, not only could we talk about power play time, but potentially power play one time, not quite as much depth there as there's been in recent years. So very stable floor and some considerable upside for a guy that you can add at the bottom of your roster. Yeah. It's interesting because like, I feel like his ADP was like the exact same last year. And then like everything he did last year was basically best case scenario. And you would imagine like it would go up a little bit because... I mean, he, he probably deserves to be picked a little bit higher, right? Like, he's he played with them the whole time. Third in Calder voting, 63 yeah. points in 79 games. It's it's going to be assist-heavy, of he course. He works in banger leagues, too, though. Like, he, yeah. he gets heavy penalty minutes. He, he still hits. Like, it's not, you know, there's there's stuff there yeah. across all leagues. Yeah. I have him projected for 23.9 goals, 33 assists, 56.9 points. 
Um, that's right there next to like Vincent Trocheck, Braden Shen, Robert Thomas. And we're talking bottom Brock of the Fester. draft. Yeah, right. like, and, the, the and I'd say are... that's a pretty pretty close to his floor, that projection, right? That's yeah, assuming yeah. he's going to play, which again is a big assumption. You're assuming he's going to play the full season with Austin Matthews, but that's what he did last year. And again, I'm, I'm very happy making that assumption at the back end of the draft. I mean, it's worked. Yeah, right? not something yeah. I want to do at the top end of the draft or the middle end, right? You don't want to draft guys that, you know, their production could be really hurt if, you know, they could seemingly be moved down the lineup at any minute, right? Which obviously Bunting could potentially. Yeah. Well, but. and that projection is also based on him playing 15 and a exactly. half minutes a night. And if it goes up, then obviously the yeah. production is going to go up. Yeah. It's crazy and to get 175 it, shots while only yeah. playing 15 He'll and certainly minutes. see some power play two time this year. And like I said, just takes one injury. If you give him like guys. 17 minutes a night, he could realistically be over 200. And I mean, yeah, guys who shoot over 200, we like those. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's going to get you those premium assists as well because he's skating around Austin Matthews. So, Speaking of over uh, 200 shots, uh, my sleeper is Taylor Hall. Oh. Uh, his current ADP is actually lower than uh, Michael Bunting's at 164.2. Uh, very, very late in the draft. The reason I like Taylor Hall is so far he's played 97 games with the Bruins. And in those 97 games, he has 75 points. It really doesn't seem like he's been all that productive, but he has been. Uh, it's about a 63, 65-point pace over an 82-game season, 28 goals, 47 assists during those 97 games. The issue for Hall so far has been that he's only played roughly 11% of his 5v5 ice time with Patrice Bergeron. Last year, he spent 80% of his ice time with either Eric Howla and or Charlie Coyle. And now he Ew. gets David Krejci back. I don't know if you guys remember that late season stretch after Hall was acquired by the Bruins, but Krejci and Hall had ex- outstanding success together. Uh, they played set. He was on a... 72-point pace, again, in a small sample size, 16 games only, but 72-point pace, 41 goals, 31 assists pace while playing with Krejci. Obviously, it's a little bit difficult to buy into that small of a sample size, but... Krejci's a pass-first guy. Well, yeah, and at 164.2, you're not really taking any sort of risk. There's yeah. no gamble there. You're, you're just, How many if they do end up, do you get at 165? Zero. What, five, six years out? That's, zero. Yeah. Not a chance. So yeah, like he's going around. Uh, just just to give you an idea, um, Frank Vitrano, uh, Valerie Nichushkin, who's obviously very good. But I mean, Taylor Hall still is playing with. I mean, Nichushkin played with McKinnon, I suppose. But uh, Michael Bunting, Adrian Kempe, Frank Vitrano, Jakob Vrana, like those are the guys going right around him. And uh, you know, none of them are yeah. you know like you it's said. It's a lot safer of a pick than. You know. I, well, yeah, like, I mean, even just like what, when you see what you've already gotten out of um, Taylor Hall in Boston, right? Like last year, he had 20 goals, 40 assists, 61 points. That's solid. Yeah. It's good enough. It's good enough to keep on your roster. And he was playing with Howla and Coyle. So I think Krejci should be a big upgrade for him. And, and I really like Hall. But um, we're not going to, you know, dwell too much on a guy that you're going to get at the very bottom of your draft. We want to know who is going at the top of the draft that you want no part of. Uh, Beebs, who is your bust? My bust this year, um, I, I, I didn't want to do it, but Jonathan Marchessault out in Vegas. What? There was a pun I was supposed to say, but I forget it. Fuck. Marchessault over you. That's what it was. There it is. Got worried. Saw some fingers getting pointed. I was like, did I step on D's toes? But No, no I just I couldn't remember the pun. That was on me. Uh, I blacked but, out. And it was such quality that, of course, we had, to, we had to get it in the show. Couldn't miss it. Yeah. Couldn't miss <laughs> it. No, that's exactly how I feel. Um, I'm, I'm so over this guy. I'm really not. It's just there are some new faces out in Vegas, and Jonathan Marchessault is finding himself just a little bit further down the lineup than we've seen in previous years. Currently being drafted at 106.8, 
um, just outside the top 100. Granted, he did have a pretty solid year last year, 30 goals, 66 points, 20 power play points. It, but it was only his first 30-30 season in his nine-year career. Um, he had 230 shots, which was beautiful. We got to see 251 out of him, which landed him 24th in the league in goals. At the same time, a lot of injuries in Vegas last year. Marchessault was really one of the only players who could keep it together for 82 games. And when you're on a team that's pushing for a playoff spot, like Vegas was realistically until the last 10 games of the year, you need to put all minutes on the guys who can prove they can do it. And that's essentially, he, Jonathan Marchessault was their workhorse last year. This year, though, we're coming in, we're seeing a fresh Jack Eichel. Brock, look like you got something to say here. No, I, I, I'm just waiting. Oh, uh, I was worried. I was like, did we? No, you're good. Did we, did we not going off? But yeah, we got Jack Eichel. And also the emergence of Chandler Stevenson is one thing that really hurts Marchessault. We're kind of seeing, I think, the changing of the guard in Vegas here. You know, it's not the same William Carlson. You're going to see them three play together. Yeah. The, the Misfits play together on yeah. the second line. Second They're just line, not going to yeah. be like the go-to guys like they were at the start of their, their Vegas yeah. career. And this is a team, too. If you start looking at their defense, um, I love Vegas 1, their pairing. From there, fantasy wise, it gets kind of a little wishy washy. So if they aren't playing, you know, wit, if they're not getting, and who knows what's going to happen, but if they're yeah, not like getting, Theodore and Petrangelo are, good, are phenomenal. But after, after that, that, it gets quite. Uh, so you know, if they're getting the second and third pair, and again, we don't know what's going to happen here, but still, Jonathan Marchessault, for a guy who's only put up 30 30 once in nine years, that's what being at the top of this lineup. I just cannot see grabbing him at 107 and expecting, even if you do get 30-30 at 107, there's a lot of guys who can give you that as their floor. Well, yeah, and that's, and, that's what I was waiting to say. Yeah. But, like, so if you look at the uh, the guys going just behind him, um, Matt Boldy, I think I'd rather uh, have Matt Boldy. Day. I think the upside is, is greater there. Uh, Brad Marchand, obviously he's out for an extended period of time, but, like, Brad Marchand in, in 60 games can can go 30-30 and, oh, and, and, yeah. and hit the same uh, levels that Marchessault is going to hit in a full season. And then while he's and sitting Cole on your Caulfield's IR right there too. Like Cole, Cole Caulfield, we talked about Nick Suzuki on last episode. Like He's another guy that has probably that 30-30 upside. And you know, Marchessault I think is a little bit safer, obviously, than all of those guys outside of Marchand. But yeah, I just don't... I don't like there's not going to be an explosion here from yeah. Marchessault. Like there's not going to be something that we've never seen before. Like he's never going to get more minutes than last. Like his year. biggest year was 27 goals, 48 assists, 75 points, and like could he get back that? Sh- you know, maybe, but I doubt it. Like he had a career high uh, 11.9 on a shooting percentage that year. Since then, he's never been over 10. Even so, if he does get back there, do I want him at 108 value? That's probably best case. I, I mean, guess. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. he gets to 75, I'll take him at 108. Yeah, I'll but. take him at 108. But also, you know. Like if you're talking about guys like Brad Marchand, throw them on your IR and you know take some chances on your free or just roll that open spot. Yeah, it, there's just so many better things. I mean, um, it, I just don't love taking second line guys in probably the top 140. Yeah, if you can, just that. Well, yeah. that that's what I was gonna say is that he's been quite relegated, quite obviously relegated yes. to a second line role, which is unfortunate because he's probably like one of the best players in their franchise history. Yeah, but, yes, probably um, the best. Yeah, yeah, I think he's almost like a little bit of a victim of all the success that that Carlson Smith line had because yeah now like I said they've just relegated them to a second line role certainly there's some potential for him to maybe get back to that if he makes his way up to the top line and for me like that's a no doubter like have March so up there with Eichel and Stone like that sounds perfect like here's a pass first winger to pair with a shoot first center and again another pass first winger in Stone who also gets off a lot of a ton of shots in his own right like that seems like a perfect fit but they love Stevenson they love the March so Carlson Smith line so yeah I think his time on ice seems like it's pretty stagnant um, and at 31, 
yeah, you just don't you don't love the value there. It's disappointing because I thought this would be a guy that I you, could look to steal towards the very end of the draft. But you know yeah, what, I don't though, think he, I can justify him. I think that pick. there's I think that there's a pretty reasonable chance that he could end up on that top line. He should. I, I don't I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, it takes I mean, they also center. well they also added Phil Kessel, right? Like, is Phil Kessel really going to play on the third line? Maybe obviously he's get up there in age, but like Probably. maybe Stevenson does go back and center the third line, or, or they try to get more of a shutdown. Uh, third third line, and Stevenson would be the guy that moves back there. Uh, or even, you know, if he goes with Carlson and they do move Marshall or you know, there's a lot of pieces. Like, Castle being added to the mix also clouds Marshall So's potential value, right? Or, yeah. It hurts his chances of moving up there as well. So there's a lot of things that yeah, play. There's where, certainly a price that I'm in on Marshall So, but I, I yeah. agree that it's it's not anywhere near I just think at that point, yeah. For well, sure. like I said, like, well, let's just go through it again. Would you take Boldy <laughs> over Marshall So? I mean, they're yeah. probably, yeah. Boldy's Caulfield? Yeah. And then Marshawn, obviously, I think we would all agree that he's got 30-30 upside in 60 games. Yeah, and then even, like, you look otherwise, right? Like, um, Hughes is going a little bit before there. We don't how much... I, I love Hughes this year, but... Braden du- points going Yeah, after. Dubois point going after him. Zegris. Um, like, there... Hope, this is why I like targeting the wingers early. Because I yeah. would... Like, the reason Marshawn's ADP is that high is because people get to that point in the draft um, and they have to panic... Uh, they have to panic uh, basically and, and, and grab a left winger to fill out their roster, right? So that's kind of what we're talking about here in terms of trying to avoid and, and why that when you can, you should take the wingers at the top of the draft. Because, yeah, like look at the options here. We're talking about Marshall. Like so, 18 picks later. Talking yeah, about, I was going to say, I got Pratt, Kopitar, Thomas, yeah, Shifley, Hintz. Yeah, exactly. Zegras around later, Kopitar around and a half later, Thomas two rounds later, Shifley two rounds later, Hintz two rounds later. So, yeah, if you can get those wingers early, you, it just lets you fill out your roster so much better and you do not have to reach for uh, a guy like March. So at 106. Here's another way to just really tie in what Biebs is talking about here. Would you rather, like, like Andre Burakovsky and Marceau are probably pretty similar. I think that Marceau is probably a little bit safer, but like if you really want Marceau at 106, Burakovsky yeah. is available. Take him at 50 picks later, right? right. So, uh, but D, who is your bust? Of- or Hall in that same sense is oh, yeah. very similar. Yeah, Pass yeah. first winger who's stuck to a second line role could take that step forward if he gets two minutes. shots. And um, Hall could Hall could replace Marceau on that top line. For, you know, yeah. I I know that Bruce Cassidy did say that he's looking. Um, at a line of, I think it's Pavel Zaka, Patrice Bergeron, and Jake DeBrusque to open the season. And then that leaves Hall with Krejci and Pasternak. Yeah, Zaka? Yeah. They That's got, fun. Yeah, yeah, they traded uh, Howla for Zaka. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. One thing, too, on Marshawn. Um, I've been facing a lot of questions about for keepers about yeah. Marshawn. If you are playing in a keeper league, you have to remember, you know, it goes longer than just this year. So it doesn't hurt you to keep him put him on your IR for a couple months and then keep going. It's just something yeah. I've seen a lot just of people leave him out of their keepers. And it's like, yeah. this is a, this is, you know, we're talking about a top 20 fantasy player here. Just a pa- yeah, yeah. If it's a league like ours with like 10, 15 keepers, then yeah. yeah. But if it's like five, I don't, I don't know. It's tough to justify keeping the 34 year old yeah. who's going to miss the first, but then you get him next year. Same value. Yeah. But he's 35 yeah. next year. Yeah. Still Marshawn. That's how that works. I know still Marshawn. That is how that works. Imagine yeah. he just Benjamin Button. I know he's still Marshawn, but obviously, yeah. Uh, bust for UD. Um, I feel like we always talk about Toy Volterra Vine in here for whatever reason. People and I stop. feel like we're always kind of against each other because, like, I actually am a big Terravina fan, but I don't just people gotta that stop he... drafting him. So, God yeah, man. his ADP is 84, which is again, it's just a bit of absurd. Do he's going in, fetch? and again, I think it's it's just the the demand of the position because he's honestly going in 
would we have in our you know positional rankings here and ADP? It's pretty much like a left wing dead zone, right? Like his ADP of eighty four point one is the only left winger from spots sixty five to one hundred in ADP. So again, we're getting that situation where people Just aren't filling make. out these positions early, and then they need to reach for a winger. Uh, in those mid rounds, so I again, I, I'm with you, Brock. I think he's a fine fantasy asset, one I'd be happy to add towards the bottom of my roster, and you know the late middle rounds more likely, somewhere around round nine or ten. Uh, but there's just no upside here with where he's going. He is what he is. He's an effective play driver with a past first mentality uh, that needs to play big minutes with Aho to get to a 20 goal, 45 assist season. If there's absolutely no further potential to be unlocked here, based on everything we've seen to this point. He's 28 years old now. Again, he's just pretty much locked into this 20-goal, 45-assist pace that he's been at the last four or five years now. Uh, cannot seem to get himself over a point per game, so he's not even kind of, of you know, like the Robert Thomas or Patrick Kane ilk where the assist uh, production is going to be enough to kind of put you into that point per game status. Uh, he's going to kind of, like I said, fluctuate in that 60 to 70-point range. And he's already playing big minutes with the best line mates his team has to offer. If anything, the only room for his point totals to go is down. Um, so I think if you're short on left wings coming out of the first five rounds, you just got to wait. Uh, it should get better, and it will certainly get better value-wise. And you can find similar, if not better, production than what Toyville will offer you um, much, much later in the draft. Even at this position, there's just no need to reach for him there. Well, and you mentioned, I mean, it's almost the exact same situation, Michael Bunting, same amount of points, yeah. and he's going, you Ridiculous. know, 80 picks yeah. later. Um, it, it, it makes me laugh because we just talked about Sebastian Ajo on on the Senators episode and saying how, like, he just puts up the same number of points every year, and then now you've got Tara Vinen, who's been on his wing exclusively, yeah. and he puts up the same number of points every single year. It's like... That working people... together is just, uh, it's working <laughs> yeah. and it's working well, but it's like there's doesn't there's not this untapped potential. Yeah. He doesn't shoot a ton. He doesn't shoot at a high clip. No. He's a career 10% shooter. Like I said, he's a playmaker off the wing that has some value, but it's certainly not the enough to justify a you know, late sixth, early seventh round pick. His, um, like that's still, that is still the part of the draft where you're getting the building blocks. I legitimately think people are thinking and, they're getting Svechnikov. Yeah. And it's just a long lasting <laughs> that they're seeing. And they're like, Oh, it's yeah. gone on for a few years now where his ADP is just, it doesn't line up at all with where it should be. And he doesn't hit at all. He averages a hit every four games, averages even less block shots than that. So, yeah, I'm just well, like, so completely want, out on him. I would love to own him one year, but it just it's apparently yeah, never You don't want to give up a top 100 pick, though. Yeah. Before Biebs got here, we talked about Patrick Laine potentially being gold, playing with uh, Johnny Gaudreau. Um, and Laine's going 82. Drake Bathurst's going 85. The Teravine in 84 just seems kind of mixed just up. Just does not but quite I, have the upside of no, those other he, two. He and, and you know what? Like so I said, much rather bad. Or anyone else going around. If you get if you, I mean, close. If or you give him all day. Yeah. If you give me Terry around 150, then you know it's a it's a totally yeah, different. Yeah, and that's where he should be going because he absolutely offers absolutely numbers. no goal scoring upside. And like I said, how could it possibly get better? He's playing heavy minutes on the top line with a point per game player. And the very best his team has Unless to offer. Let's get to Colorado. I don't see. Yeah, it really and then what? Okay, now he's a 25, 55 guy. And he can get to points per game, and like, cool. Yeah, now it's probably worth taking him there. But yeah. give me that again. Yeah, still just so much further ahead than he should be going. My bust is Chris Kreider of the New York Rangers, twenty twenty one, twenty two's fantasy darling, but <laughs> darling Chris, his ADP is twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, that was aggressive. Point eight. Uh, Carter, literally, though, he was likely the MVP of the 2022 Fantasy Hockey season. Uh, as a waiver wire addition in almost every league, uh, maybe not every league, but in most leagues, I think he was actually still 90% drafted, but he was like 170. Yeah. Um, Kreider led the NHL in power play goals and was third in total goals with 52, which trailed only Austin Matthews and Leon Dreisaitl. However, there are obvious signs of regression here. Uh, Kreider is one of those players entering 2023 that just is, is shot volume. Um, and, and power play usage will probably allow him to score 35 goals. Um, but as we talked about it a bunch last year, like he was always a, a sell high candidate for us because his assist totals just limit his overall value. Like he'll be lucky to get to 25. He's averaged 25 per 82 um, since 2014. So that's basically what you're looking at. And to me, this is a guy who's probably a 35, 25 player. You know, could he get to 40 again? Sure, maybe. Is he going to get to 50? Um, almost certainly not. So if he even goes 40-25, he's a great mid-round pick, but at 26 yeah, overall... Like, he's, going in, he's going in a spot where you, he literally... He has needs, to do it again. He needs to score 50 People goals. are taking him before like the yeah. second goal he's off the board. Yeah. That's wrong. So just, to be fair, he bangs. He does bang. Yeah, so banger leagues is to the one f- one league is is the is the one reason why his ADP is probably a little bit higher than it should be. He right. does bang. Like that that that's the clearly the reason he's going there. But still, even if you say fortieth <laughs> overall, I would rather Alex DeBrincat. Yeah, yeah. Like I would rather he, he, Elias Lindholm. He didn't make our top fifteen left wingers. No, I would rather Patrick Kane. I'd t- rather team. I think our, our rankings are irrespective of ADP, right? They're yeah. the top fifteen guys that we would take. To be fair, I think I had him at sixteen, so he just missed out on my top fifteen because I think he's going to score thirty five. I just, I, I think that, and goals are hard to find, but he's not going to get you more than twenty five yeah, assists. Like, I, like I Brock feel said. bad for the people who are taking around there because. His ADP being that means that people yeah. have taken him higher as yeah. well. Yeah. Which is kind of fucked. I, so just, imagine you're in the second round taking Chris Kreider. Yeah. I <laughs> would quite honestly, pay your like, I, would, and leave. I would not be taking Chris Kreider until like Six. the eighth or ninth round. So yeah, like, I was trying to be nice. Like yeah. 80 to the 90, 100 range. Like, so I, I would. Well, Brock I, said it. 25 assists is basically his cap. We're talking about guys who can give you 70 assists around yeah. this guy. Granted, assists aren't as big, yeah. but so you know, I, I just can't. I need it all. I can't like further elaborate yeah. or explain and it's not like how out I am out this year. anymore yeah. than what he's broken out. Yeah. yeah, and I do still think, like Brock said, that he could have a really solid year because yeah, he great. did. He did see a big jump in shot volume last year, on top of the fact that he shot twenty percent. But yeah, I mean, he may or may not be able to even like we talked about be able to uh, sustain anywhere near that. Um, in terms of a shot volume, and obviously the shooting percentage, we don't think will end up close to twenty no. percent again. So I have him projected right next to Jordan Cairo, who's going ninety sixth overall. Yeah. Um, I think again, this is you know, Bagger League is certainly influencing where he's going, but just to like just a really, I think this kind of just drives it home just how early it is. He is going three picks after Artemi Panner. <laughs> His team is going to maybe who's get 100 a perennial points. like 90 pluser. Yeah. yeah. So I, that it's just it's way too early. Again, if if Chris Kreider, if everybody thinks it's too early and Chris Kreider drops just like crazy for some reason, then you know sign me up. But there's just not nearly enough assist production there to uh, to, to buy in. But uh, who's your breakout Biebs? Um, I've already practiced this one because the other night while we were doing it, I actually started going off on this guy and then realized I was reading the complete wrong. I probably should have just preview. saved it and then like yeah, and then I plugged it in for you because you, you you nailed it. Because now you, you know, got to go two it's for two be here. A stutter fest, but um, Tim Stutzel. 
out in Ottawa. This is a guy who many people didn't realize actually had a massive second half to last season. Um, it bonkers huge. Took him nearly a hundred games um, for the for the 2020 third overall pick. Find his bearings, but basically last year's second half, as mentioned, is when he did. 37 points in his last 41 games to end the year while shooting 15.91%. 14 of those were goals. He's went second decimal point on us. You love that. Yeah. You love that accuracy. Yeah, I got to hit it. Um, my issue is I've been doing all these like previews and it's just so many numbers <laughs> and stuff. Um, but Stussel, during that period of, of 41 games, was technically the 47th best point producer in the NHL. Um, when you consider that that's playoff season and the time when a lot of teams needed to get in, that's massive production considering if you're in a league that was probably 10 or less, you could have found him on your free agency. And if not, he was someone you could have definitely bought low have or low at, at that point of the year. Um, if we play the extrapolation game, which is Brock's favorite favorite game. game, And when he has kids, he's going to, that's the only game he's going to play with them. Um, (laughs) they want to play hockey. No, we're playing the extrapolation game. (laughs) Um, but across See how Connor <laughs> could do it a full yeah. 82. Oh, that'd be awesome. But uh, across a full 82 for Timmy Stutz, he would have had 28 goals, 46 assists for 74 points. That mid 70s point production uh, would have landed him top 50 scoring right around D's boy Mark Shifley. Um, and for top 50 for a guy like this, that's absolutely phenomenal value. And something that if he can put it together for 82, even 60 next year, um, I do really like that production. Something I haven't brought up at all is. He casually brought in 41 goal scorer Alex Debrinkat from Chicago, mm-hmm. who we know is just, he's going to get it done. That guy reaches 40 every year, as well as Claude Drew, who had 65 points in 75 games last year. All these guys do is just join what's already there and what was already working for Timmy Stu last year. And it kind of just makes the power play that much better. So I really, I think, you know, we got to see it last year for a period. Now we add in better pieces. This yeah. is uh this could get right out of hand. There's a reason that Ottawa gave this guy an eight year contract. A lot of people thought it was a ton of money, just over eight million. But yeah, because they didn't want to pay him after that's he was exactly points. It. Yeah, because you know what? Because they all know what I'm saying here. Tim's gonna have a huge year, gonna break out, and uh, and they wanted to they wanted to nip that one in the bud before yeah, it. Uh, yeah, we we talked about this line actually quite a bit in the first half when we were talking about Debrinkat. You know, Stitzel's probably oh, gonna be. Did you miss that? Well, he's gonna be the center on that line most likely. And again, obviously, there's there's um, you know we don't know for sure that that's gonna be a line like this. He's it, twenty, by and, the way, too. That's and, another thing. Lots of things can change, but like now he's in a situation where last year it was like they love Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson together. And then, like, Stutzel was left with whoever was left, whether it was Connor Brown or whoever it was, where now, like, it doesn't really matter how they shuffle that top six. Stutzel's going to be surrounded by yeah, no um, really, really good players. My favorite part about everything you said about him is that you gave him, I think, about four nicknames yeah. in, in a three-minute span. So that was pretty <laughs> impressive. But uh, You're lucky this wasn't a, the extended version of the show. We would have got to eight. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have anything to add on Sissel or are you uh, going to your breakout? No. Because remember, I, the breakouts combined, most points, it's big money. Glad I got Tim in here because I needed that because yesterday's wasn't as uh Yeah, as that's fair. And I got 110-pointer Jack Hughes already in the bank. Oh, so. God. So I'm just going to, yeah. <laughs> um, waving my way. No, I think, yeah, I think Stitzel obviously makes a ton of sense for this breakout proposition. Again, kind of like I talked about with Hughes, he kind of already broke out in the second half of last season. We just got to see him do it over the full 82. And obviously that alone, keeping up those production rates would justify it. So, yeah, I love it. He talked about it. Every, all the options got so much better. I think well, he it, shot I think a shit role, ton during that time, too. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, his role should continue to grow as well. Uh, so yeah, I love it all. I, I love the pick. I think it'll work. Are you going here, Brock, or you want me to go? 
You go ahead. Okay. Um, it's Matt Boldy. We're not going to beat around. Yeah, the bush. my guy. Obviously, we're going to talk it's about him one. on this show. Um, yeah, like he was an absolute star of the podcast last season. Was mm-hmm. probably one of the recommendations of the year, aside from the obvious Nazem Kadri. So um, we had to give him some love here. But Duchesne. I, I got to be honest. I don't think he's outstanding value in terms of where he's going. Um, current ADP one twelve. But there's not a whole lot of great breakout options in terms of who we actually expect to take that next step forward this year at left wing. So, to me, he's got to get a shout-out here. Again, like we said, he was a star of the waiver wire segment. Uh, registered 15 goals, 24 assists, and 47 games last year after making his NHL debut in January. Uh, he's 21 years old. He's the 12th overall pick in the 2019 draft, if you guys forgot. And certainly should be a major piece of Minnesota's offense uh, in the not so distant future, whether in- that includes this upcoming season, that's kind of what we we're waiting on, right? And that's why I would love to be able to take him a round or two later when the investment isn't as steep, uh, because he was a little bit fortunate to pick up the 39 points he registered last year in those 47 games. He had a 13.8 on ice shooting percentage, but again, that could easily be offset by an increase in ice time. He was playing just 15 minutes a night. Uh, But again, the problem, there's no guarantee he's going to see that increased ice time. He was limited to just 13 minutes a game in the postseason when obviously, you know, push came to shove. So exactly right. So quite obviously firmly rooted behind Kaprizov on the left wing depth chart. So with those concerns, I likely won't take him much earlier than his ADP of 112. I think I'm in on him there. Ideally a round or two later, like I said, but I think if everything breaks his way, he gets that major uptick in ice time. Maybe they give him some play on the right side and he can get some uh, some ice time at even strength with Kaprizov. Um, then there's some potential for him to be one of the true breakouts of the season. So a lot of reward to go here, but I think there is a fair amount of risk as well with that at that ADP of 112. Yeah, my only concern with, with Boldy this year is uh, no more Kevin Fiala. Um, they were a really dynamic duo last year. They were rarely separated. 85% of Boldy's ice time came with him. But we talked about Marco Rossi as a, as a potential um, you know, yeah. rookie pick that could actually flourish in, in fantasy this year. And he, he's uber talented. And he could be somebody that can step in and play on Boldy's line and help offset maybe some of that loss of Kevin Fiala. Um, because, I mean, as much as he got it done with Kevin Fiala, he was also getting it done with Frederick Goudreau, who's not like the <laughs> yeah. who's who of an offensive centerman. So um, bringing in Rossi should definitely help. Um, the one thing that was the most impressive about Boldy last season is he almost like like it was very rare that he would go multiple games in a row without registering a point. Like he maybe wasn't like picking up multi-point games every night, but he was picking up a point almost every single night he was in your lineup, which was which was great. So uh, a little bit of concern, obviously, with no Fiala, but if Rossi steps in and they they click again like they did in Iowa, they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, my breakout, somebody that we already know has been clicking with his teammate, is Evander Kane. He was a godsend for the Oilers and fantasy owners alike at the end of last season. Um, In 58 combined games between the regular season and playoffs, Kane spent 63% of his ice time with McDavid. And, I mean, to no one's surprise, he flourished in that role. He scored 35 goals, 21 assists, 56 points in 58 games. Um, again, he relied on a career high 16.8 shooting percentage to get there, but he scored at a 50 goal pace. 
obviously, things do get a little bit easier when you're playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl at some times uh, on a nightly basis. But the floor seems incredibly safe here. Yeah. And there's really no telling just how high this ceiling can be. Um, and I, like... Not to mention he is a must-own in banger leagues because oh, yeah. he, he's a guy that can get over 40 goals, Absolutely. 40, uh, you know, 80 points, 200 hits. I mean, he could be a real fantasy uh, gem, especially in banger leagues. But um, he just, like, really isn't going that early either. Like, I was a bit surprised. 64 ADP is, is okay, but, like... I mean, Ty Ratty got yeah, drafted that's one what year because he was playing with McDavid. Zach Hyman was like everybody wanted Zach Hyman last year because he was going to be with McDavid, and Hyman was fine. Yeah, he finally but, has a proven winger. And yeah, we're like, like yeah, well, just let him drop. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre to me. Like, I really, really like Kane. Obviously, I was the highest on him in our rankings, but um, he's going behind Philip Forsberg, who's coming off of a career year. You guys know how much I love Forsberg. He's going seven picks later. I would much rather Kane. Yeah. Um, I mean. We could probably just cross Max Pacioretty off because he's out for the year, but he's still going ahead of a major game somehow. <laughs> um, and then even Jason Robertson, like that's that's a that's a tight one for me. Uh, you know, I have a Vander Kane at nine. I've got Robertson at thirteen. So there's uh, there's a pretty big discrepancy for me of the guys that are going ahead of him: Svechnikov, Kachuk. And like you could look at those ADPs and be like, well, yeah, those those because of banger leagues. Well, there's nobody better than Kane in banger leagues. So. Um, yeah, I just I don't really understand the he's ADP. He's had over I, six 250 plus shot seasons. Yeah, that's well, so many I, he's in like, his career. Yeah, like he's that's probably fun. outside of maybe Ovechkin um, and Kachuk, he's like the only guy that's really capable of scoring 40 goals, 200 shots, 200 hits. Yeah. Right, like Ovechkin hasn't had 200 hits in a long time. Kachuk, I mean, could but like he's he's rare. He's very very rare. So 135 hits in 43 games last year. That's he's you know that's wild. Yeah, he, he he was great. I mean, he plays with Ovech, or he plays with Ovechkin. He plays with McDavid. Like it just doesn't. I don't know yeah, how you that's want. That's my only knock on him. Is like I said, I don't love taking those guys <laughs> higher in the draft because if he, for whatever reason, was to fall down that lineup, which you know he shouldn't based on his talent, but there's probably he, some off ice stuff that could result in uh, some discipline happening or falling out of favor with the head coach or anything, right? Like. I just think, you know, we've seen him be nothing special when he's not playing with outstanding players. He spent most of his career doing just that, not playing with outstanding players. He now gets to play with the very best in the league. So, yeah, I agree. If he's with McDavid, I think he's a really good bet to absolutely blow past his previous career high in goals of 30, previous career high points of 57. But I have a hard time taking him over some guys that are a little bit more consistent year to year with a little bit more of a track record who are a little bit more independent in terms of their production. So that's where I balk on Kane a little bit. That's why I left him out of the top 10. I had him behind Svechnikov, behind, uh, just behind Forsberg, behind Robertson, behind the Brinkett. So again, guys that I think are maybe just a little bit uh, more reliable in their own right in case something happens. But obviously, like, you know, he'd have to fall pretty far down, right? Because if he falls in the second line with Leon, like, you're not feeling too upset about that either. Yeah, no, certainly not. And if he ends up on the line... And I don't... I I think he has a lot of... uh, a lot of... um, a lot of rope. Like, I, I think he's got a lot of stability in that role. So I'm not particularly worried about it. But it is just, like, a little bit more concerning just that, you know, he's not as an integral part of his team in terms of the long-term build as everyone else going around him. So I just don't think his top-line role is quite as secure as the other people going that early. I just, like, last year he basically never left that line. So, like, I just – there's no reason for I'm me with to think, think that he will all of a sudden. And but in the playoffs, he was a 
he was amazing. On that line. Oh, he was. He was. Yeah, that's like I said. That's the only thing that gives me any sort of. God, pause. he got suspended because clearly he needs to play with McDavid to take that next step, right? Because he's he's thirty one. We've seen what he can do without that kind of playmaker, and it's very good. But it's obviously not what he did last year. Yes. Um, again, we we want to mention guys that kind of excel in hits leagues as well. Vander Kane. Uh, besides <laughs> Chris the, yes, Vander Kane, Chris Kreider, two of those names. Other guys that you want to talk about. Brady Kachuk moves way up the list. He's a guy that could literally have two, you know, three hundred shots and three hundred hits this year, which is just ridiculous. Uh, Andre Svechnikov's another guy. He's going to be up over two hundred and twenty-five shots. He's probably going to be around one hundred and seventy-five hits. Yeah. Gabe Landis-Cog's another guy who could be near a point per game, around a hundred. You know, he's not going to be three hundred hits like Kachuk, but he's going to draft it incredibly high. But he's going, yeah, because he's going to also produce a hundred and twenty. Uh, 120 hits. Uh, outside of that, yeah, Kreider. Brandon we mentioned at the top yeah, of the Brandon show, Shemmy carries left-wing eligibility him. as well. So. Tanner Janot hits a shit ton, but you're Ooh. not getting that production. He's he a right-winger, too. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I thought he was right. So yeah, Brandon Shen would be another guy. I was going to say, I got excited. I was like, I don't think it's no, quite sorry, time to talk about He's actually listed as a left-winger. He's actually listed as a left-winger. Oh, there you go. But 299 hits, he's just not going to score as much. But Nachushkin, too, even, like is a guy that's going to be around 115 hits. I, uh... I would love to get Janot in the, the last round of all my drafts. Dude, 24 banger, goals banger last leagues year. or not. Oh playing 15 minutes a night. Yeah. No, that's the thing for me. Led, league in, led league in fights? Yeah. No, his, he was 24 years old, his first full season. Yeah. Shot volume was very, very Crazy. poor. Uh, 124 in 81 games. So all that, he was doing was just hitting people yeah. and somehow scoring. Yeah. Because they're but he's got my attention enough to where I, I'm good taking a late round flyer on him and seeing if he gets an increase in night time to start the season. The other guy, he's that, an easy he guy to, rookies and goals. He's an easy guy to drop right away. Right. If he, yeah, if he starts the season on the second or third line again, you just move on. Another but if he makes guy it in almost identical line, situation is Mason Marchman now going to Dallas. Yep. Yep. If he ends up being locked in a third Such line a role, mark. Um, maybe not. If he ends up being that top six, then I think he's somebody like if he plays with Tyler Segan, maybe it works. Maybe it gets them going again. Uh, Segan, that is, he's a guy that could definitely, you know, he could have 150 shots, 150 yeah. hits, and, and be okay. I don't, I don't know what to make of him, to be honest. I would love to see him get more minutes because he shoots a ton for for the. Amount I had of to do the preview plays. on it, and it was like, what do you do with Marchman? Because it's, it's well, either going to go good or it's going to go. Yeah, I mean, not, yeah, if he lands with yeah. Radic Faxa, you don't you don't roster. If yeah. he lands with Tyler Segan, then you roster. It's pretty simple. Yeah, even with the on ice shooting percentage of thirteen percent, like the point totals he put up in the limited minutes he played last year, super super impressive. And one so, of them, he had like a five point yeah. game. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, I, that's how you get there. But still, that would show up if it was like egregiously. They're creating a ton of chances when he's on the ice. They were, is they were Florida ex- too. Though. Yeah. They were exceptional. Yeah. Um, and then again, a couple of rookies just to talk about really quickly. Peyton Krebs uh, for the Krebs uh, Buffalo Sabres, left wing eligible. He should be flirting with the, uh, he's not going to play on their top line, but he should be flirting with that middle six. You uh, could be on a line with, the, we have him right now projected to skate with uh, Casey Middlestad and Alex Tuck. Mason Marchment, he seems to be uh, him and Owen Power seem to be the favorites to win the Calder heading into the season right Mason now. Mason Power's getting drafted. Mason Tavish story. Yeah. Can I say Mason Marshman? Yes, you did, yeah. got Mason Marshman on the brain. Like, there's McTavish. no way we're still talking no, about him. No, <laughs> there's no way he's still a rookie. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, but Mason McTavish, you know, could play with Zegris, could play with Ryan Strom. Either Swiss way, born. I think, he's in, I think he's in decent hands there. Uh, and as I mentioned, he's either first or second in, in, in the odds uh, on the sports books to win. That feels like good good value for uh, Matty B then. If he's not, yeah, I in feel the top like Maddie. Two. Yeah, Maddie. Maddie B is number three. Yeah, five, he's like plus five. He should be first. I bet this on guy's going to get more opportunity than he should the other be first. Two, no? I bet on Beniers yesterday. He had nine yeah. points in ten games last year. 
yeah. your ice that feels cock. like a good bet to but me. yours is also like a freak in college like it was like yeah it's tough upseating um it's oh. gonna be tough upseating power i think gonna, yeah yeah power's I, getting drafted so like power is gonna play a lot of minutes so he's gonna have to be really bad but like why do you want for to him not the... win the calder or bernier's gonna have to be really yeah. really is good. he gonna get a ton though with played 22 minutes in eight games last yeah. year yeah, he's gonna play a lot. I think he's gonna play a lot. Yeah, he's play, just yeah. not gonna. I don't know if he's gonna. It's gonna be like Dali. Yeah, be a huge point. Like Dali. I know, but he, he doesn't have to. He could put up thirty-five points and they'll give him the call there if he plays twenty-two minutes. They almost gave it to with a positive this year. plus minus. They almost like, gave it to this year, and Sider had fifty points as a defenseman. Yeah, like so. Yeah. I, plays I, think, on the, I think you still I think have to put Bernier's gets fifty and he gets thirty-five. They'll give it to Bernier's. But I mean, that's it. Yeah, but Cedar also. He wasn't the first overall pick. I just think it's different. Like I think. Yeah. Well, speaking of first, I think when overall, you're the first overall pick and you're a defenseman coming in playing major minutes in a major role, like that's why the writers are going to look at it exactly. First that's all ever I'm first overall. Not I think. Make it, I think it's going to take a really good year to upseed him, like it did with Zegers. So you're going to have to score a couple of cross goals. And uh, he is apparently 229 pounds, one of the biggest players in the league at just 18 years old. Yeah, he's um, again, it, I, it's going to be interesting. I tried to get this across last week or last episode. And I don't think I ever said it, but he, um, you got to remember this whole draft process and everything was very weird because of COVID. And uh, it, there might be fewer first year, like this draft class players that actually make it this year. And I don't think Slavkovsky is a, is a lock. If he makes it, he'd be somebody worth monitoring. Um, obviously he's the first overall pick. He's a, big kid if he works his way into that Canadian's top six which you know might be difficult I, I think he probably doesn't make the team personally he yeah. could obviously but Caulfield Drew Evgeny Dadnoff in the left wing there already Hoffman Anderson Brendan Gallagher I mean certainly not a bunch of all-stars but it's uh it's kind of a crowded uh, a crowded depth chart and I think it's gonna be difficult for him to make it after I think he we're still talking about okay, cool. yeah I think he um there's obviously a ton of potential, but this has to be one for the future, right? No, like yeah. He had 10 points in 31 games in the Finnish League last year, so it's hard it's to imagine. It's kind of like a trend now not to like, – like Power kind of set that tone. You don't have to you know, bring him up that first year, your first overall pick. Yeah. Before Power, no one had done that. And yeah. now that it's happened, I think it's going to start – we're going to start seeing things – you know, guys just aren't ready at that. Yeah, I, I think even if he even does just, like, play, it's hard to imagine him having any sort of production. Not on Montreal. Well, just think so. about yeah. Quentin Byfield, right? Suck. Like he he did nothing. He still has done nothing. Yeah, and like he's but he's obviously on a more crowded depth chart. The Kings are very very good, but like there's big enough names in front of Slikovsky where it's like I don't think like I have projected if he makes a team for like thirty points. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's not gonna. He's not gonna. Well, be, the players around him, even like Beniers, I'd rather have York Strand and you know. Burakovsky, I guess he does have Caulfield Suzuki. Yeah, certainly a, know, a name that you still want to be aware of in Dynasty. Not a rookie. Yeah. Not a rookie. He's 26 years old, but he's like the next Artemi Panarin, I guess. Is, is Andre Kuzmenko. He was the big, highly touted prospect out of Russia. Signed with the Vancouver Canucks. He had 53 points in 45 games for St. Petersburg last year, leading the team. Uh, a team that Nikita Gusev, a little bit of a throwback there, played on a couple other big names on that team as oh, well. But Gusev's uh, such a toss back. But yeah, he, you know he's going to land in a, in a Vancouver situation that's pretty ideal for a guy who's 26 years old. Um, obviously, put up big, big numbers at the KHL, and he seems like you know they liked having Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Brock Besser together down the stretch. Kuzmenko looks like a guy who could fit in a second line role with Bo Horvat and. Um, he's a guy that could really make a difference. Yeah. If he was an actual rookie, he'd be my bet for Calder, but he's not. He's 26. I, uh, he's yeah. almost as old as Michael still, I don't want to overblow this. Does he still this, apply, though? No. But, and he is, as you say, a couple years older than Kaprasov was, but very similar point totals to yes, Kaprasov's last exactly. year in Russia. Kaprasov had 62 points in 57 games. 
which is again more games but pretty close to identical uh, per game production uh so yeah i mean i don't want to like i said don't want to get people too excited he's a few years older than kaprasov was at that point so maybe not still getting better and developing to the degree that kaprasov was his first couple of years in the show but yeah certainly a level of production that you need to be aware of um and, and a guy that is absolutely three. worth a flyer we talked about you know that team needing some more production in the top six to help boost the numbers of Pedersen and maybe reduce some of the regression coming jt miller's way uh, and that could obviously go a long way to doing that. And they've shown less and less confidence in Brock Besser the last couple of seasons. So I don't think it would take much to upseed him on that top line. One of the other important things to note about Kuzmenko is that uh, his agent is Dan Milstein, often um, outspoken on Twitter and social media. He basically said that if Kuzmenko is coming to the NHL, he's playing. His expectation is to be in a top six role. He met with a lot of teams. He was highly touted or highly sought after, I should say. And Milstein said, I expect him to be a top six forward. He can play now. He can play on the power play. He's very strong. He's a hard worker. He plays on both sides of the ice, and I expect him to make an impact from early on. As you mentioned, those point totals are, are up there with a lot of the very uh, highly sought after players that came over from the KHL, and, and I think that he could probably make a difference pretty quickly. And uh, Where's number 96, eh? Kuzmenko, 176. ADP right now, only being drafted sleeper. in 2% of league. So Kuzmenko is certainly somebody to keep an eye on as we head into draft season. But that's going to do it for Season 8, Episode 2 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. Daily Faceoff Fantasy Podcast, it is. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I uh, We're going to be back with the right wingers. This is two down. we got three to go. Right wingers, D, and goalies to come. So uh, tune back in next week. It's probably going to be Tuesday. We'll have this right wingers release, so they're coming hot, you know, fast and furious for you guys. Hope you guys are enjoying them. I mean, we just gave you a two percent drafted sleeper, so this is a reason you listen. See you guys back here next week. Glad I got this second half in, guys. Thank you. Peace. It's not over now. Don't lay your flag and turn away. It's not over now. So blow a kiss and wrap me up in darkness Make it quick before the feeling sticks and holds I can't see no other way to come So pick up your bags and we can start something new again
The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.